It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. It is wet and it is cold and it is a mess. I'm not just talking about taking my dog out for a walk because that's the case as well. But no, no, no. Hope you're being okay and everything going all right for you this morning. It was a little delayed for me just getting into the building, getting down here. Somebody was pulling Don Miller's leg saying that that accident had cleared off Mopac. It hasn't! But we made it inside. Good morning and welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. Jeff Howe will be along shortly. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's still a mess out there uh, where I'm coming from the north and cut over on Toll 45 and down Mopac. Uh, it was a big old nasty wreck over there uh, right by Howard Lane, and it's a uh, yeah, it's a mess over there. So be careful out there. Be careful all over the greater Austin area. Uh, another guy who lives on the north side is our producer, Cameron Parker. You're a, you're you are a Round Rock resident, are you not? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I I, I got to say I, I got to hand it to uh, people who travel I thirty five through the Round Rock corridor. Brutal. They are nothing if not consistent on the slog. That is going there from from toll forty five. If you're going north, all the way past Old Settlers, that is one grind. Is that what you take to get to the station? Yeah, coming come southbound. Yeah. I'm right in the belly of the beast uh, every day. And I've tried it the other ways. I've tried it going west, uh, you know, out twenty nine and coming in Ronald Reagan. None of that works very well. But you know, when I lived in Cedar Park, as one eighty three was always a problem, as Don Miller calls it, the the march to Mopac. That's that was always. Uh, and still is an issue. So I'm used to it. I mean, I, I'm used to travel. It's just, you know, I, I'm used to slow travel, and I'll take toll roads around, but toll 130 was a mess this morning. So, it, you know, there, there, there's some days it's just going to be bad. You yeah. just know. The, I've discovered, and I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago or so, uh, since the pandemic, in, in, in the time beyond the pandemic now, the worst travel day of the week coming in is Tuesday uh, because maybe the pandemic has, um, you know, nudged some people into either a four-day week or working at home more or working at home at least uh, more on Mondays because Mondays, 
Mondays are Mondays, and they're not great. But but traffic-wise, I haven't run into near as many problems on Mondays as I've had on Tuesday. Tuesday is, to me, by far the worst travel day of the week. Hmm. Wednesday, not far behind it. And then Thursday eases up a little bit, and Friday's not bad a lot of times. Sometimes you run into it, but Mondays and Fridays are not what Mondays and Fridays were before the pandemic. That's very true. But a lot of people feel like they either take Monday off now or they have a Friday off. Yeah, yeah. So, and somebody said spot on Tuesdays are terrible. They are. it's, it's, It's the worst travel day of the week coming from either north or south. And uh, and there's some days, and Jeff will tell you this. There's some days when he doesn't have an assignment, or that he something he's wrapping up for Horns twenty four seven, and it's still tough for him to get here. Be, simply coming from the south, Hayes County can be uh, a mess. Uh, somebody said that doesn't matter the time of day. That stretch of thirty five always has traffic. Absolutely, it does. Spot on. Last night we had Longhorn Weekly, uh, a special uh, Texas women's basketball edition from uh, from Pluckers with Vic Schaefer. And Rory Harmon was out there and Taylor Jones. We had a good time uh, out there with the program last night. And, you know, I'm going home at 8 o'clock at night, and it is bumper to bumper. It's still bad. Yeah, yeah. It's just it is what it is. I mean, you you kind of get used to it, and you, you hope for the best. And, you know, somebody else uh, agreeing, Tuesdays are the worst for travel. It's just, and, and I don't remember – I could be wrong about this. I don't remember it being like that pre-pandemic. Monday was the worst day pre-pandemic. In, in my view, at least where I was living in Cedar Park coming down, it was it was the view. And, and I know the I-35 corridor through Round Rock has always been bad, or at least since they started construction and other stuff, and traffic has picked up. I mean, did you grow up in Round Rock? Uh, I spent a few years when I was a kid, yeah. so I don't remember it fully. Yeah. I spent most of my yeah. my schooling in, in yeah. North Carolina, but it's just yeah. that merging. People just, yeah. anything that has to do with merging, they just kind of freak out. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. That's right. You you grew up in the Charlotte area. That's that that slipped my mind momentarily. But anyway, that's that's where that is. But we're glad to, we're glad to be here, and uh, hopefully everybody else is being careful and and doing well. Also, um, among the things that we have to talk, we we will have a Longhorn uh, notebook coming up at the bottom of the hour uh, from Jeff. We're going to hear. Uh, a segment from last night's uh, Longhorn Weekly with Vic Schaefer coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we'll also have a a Longhorn uh, a Longhorn notebook both at the bottom of this hour and next hour. We'll have a Flex Thirty update, so uh, we'll have those. We do have Inconceivable. We'll have that coming up as well. So uh, all of that to to come your way. And uh, obviously, some talk about uh, Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Heard Brian Billick on with uh, Bucky and Aaron. I, I don't. Uh, you haven't had a chance to see the Bullies of Baltimore yet, have you? Not yet. It's, Me and Jeff talked about it, but you know what? It was on. Here's the funny thing. Sunday night, I was in Lawrence, Kansas, with with the men's team, and they had a you know they had a practice inside of Allen Fieldhouse. And uh, when the practice was over. Uh, there was the, there was a team dinner, and I, I told the story yesterday how Eddie Orn and I drove over there. We were in a in in a car and went over ahead of the buses, and it looked like the restaurant was closed. It wasn't closed; they were just getting it set up for the team. It was closed to the public, but but uh, getting it set up for the team meal. And but when they got it all set up, and we went down in, and it was in a downstairs uh, uh, kind of banquet room thing that we went down there for. They had it on. ESPN, they had like, there were four screens in there, and all of them were tuned to that 30 for 30. 
And even though the volume was way down on it, I was mesmerized by it. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there trying to, you know, cut into a steak or whatever to eat, and then I'm looking and I'm seeing all this stuff. And uh, it, it it was a unique way of doing it because uh, a lot of the principals were there on stage, including the late Tony Saragusa. It was like a roundtable, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 Billick was part of it, and Ray Lewis was part of it. So uh, they were they were all, and Trent Dilfer, and uh, it was it was pretty interesting. Just what I. The part that I did see, so uh, so I definitely want to watch uh, the whole thing through. Uh, I watched some Big Twelve basketball last night. Saw K State uh, and TCU. Uh, Kansas State was kind of in control, and TCU would make a run, and then Kansas State got up double digits, and TCU made a run and cut it to six with about four and a half minutes to go, and Kansas State scored the next fifteen points, seventeen to two run to close out the game. They, they hit on all cylinders, you know, Marquise Noel hit a Steph Curry range three of way, way out there that, that there's no point even stepping out to try to guard him on that. And he drains it. Um, uh, you know, uh, Keontae uh, Johnson also had a big, uh, big game for them. They had several at Desi Sills, who averages about, uh, I think, six points a game. But he seems to do well against two teams, TCU and Texas. And uh, the game, of course, they all did well, the game in Austin when K-State won. But, but even the other day, he was doing pretty well until they finally shut him down in the second half. So uh, Kansas State beat TCU. Kansas State will be uh, in that tie for third right now with Kansas. And then we'll see what happens with Iowa State tonight playing at West Virginia. If Iowa State wins tonight, then uh, they'll be tied with Texas. Uh, at number one, so that'll be that'll be the case if it does that. If Iowa State loses to West Virginia, then the Longhorns will still be in sole possession of first place. And uh, so, anyway, that that'll be the that'll be the case. And so, uh, there's that game. Uh, Baylor is hosting Oklahoma. Sooners have, I would say, kind of been in a free fall, even though they they just took Alabama apart on that SEC uh, Big Twelve Challenge game, and then. Lost again to Oklahoma State. They got swept by the Cowboys and then got blown out over the weekend. So, kind of hard to figure uh, to figure OU out. So there's that. And of course, like I said, Texas women in action tonight against Texas Tech, a team that beat them in Lubbock last month. And due to the ongoing work to get 105.3 the bat up and running again, uh, that and Coke FM, uh, they're they're technical uh, support equipment in terms of what happens with uh, transmission of signal and all those kinds of things uh, were damaged quite extensively in the ice storms. So uh, <clears throat> DevCon Dave Williams, our, our chief man about the tech here in the building, and uh, has some other specialists coming in, and they're working on that today. As a result of that, what we, uh, what we did last night with uh, the special women's basketball edition of Longhorn Weekly with Vic Schaefer, we will bring you the Texas women's game against Texas Tech tonight on the Horn. It'll be on here beginning at 645 in the tip-off at 7 o'clock. Okay. Um, joined down by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. You, yeah. You know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Al. Jeff and I <clears throat> keep in touch with one another 
pretty regularly if there are traffic issues. Or, Mm -hmm. in the case of yesterday, you let me know pretty early that you were going to have to do the update on the Roberson signing, so you'd be delayed getting in. But some days, and I mentioned this, some days even when you don't even have an assignment, it's a difficult proposition getting into here, just like it was for me coming down to Mopac. For you... This morning, what I text you? Yeah, I'm gonna be on time. Yeah, you said I'll be there. No worries. The, I look at, I check my map every morning. Do I need to take the toll road or do I need? Can I go 35? Everything yeah. looked fine. <laughs> and clearly, by the time I got to like just past Slaughter, things were not fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's just one of those things that happens. Yeah. But as, as long, hey, so I stayed up late last night, uh, and I, and like I said, some some mornings I'm running I'm running a little bit behind because you know I've got some time with my daughter in the mornings, and I'm just. Not going to sacrifice that time. Say what you will. Judge me if you want to, but I'm just not going to sacrifice that time. Uh, stayed up watching LeBron break the record last night. So did I. Did Did you happen to see after you know they do the ceremony and LeBron drops the f bomb and yeah they go he to, did didn't he they go to commercial? Do you see what they showed? Well, uh, Linda and I were watching it, and right when he dropped the f bomb, she turned to me and looked. Cameron knows what I'm talking Ooh. about. Do you see that? Oh, cocaine did you bear. See that cocaine bear spot. Yeah. yeah. So I tweeted, I said, the only thing better than LeBron breaking the scoring record is LeBron breaking the scoring record, immediately followed by a reminder, the cocaine bear is coming. And Linda Way reminded me that when we go to see that movie, she's in on it. She's watching. In fact, she she almost sounded like, you are including me on this, aren't you? Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I never I never thought otherwise. I. I thought as long I'm, as you were I'm interested, glad, absolutely. I'm glad your wife is in on it because my wife wants we'll nothing, to do, nothing to do with do cocaine with bear. Yeah, yeah. No, Linda wants to see because she wants to see it for the same reason I want to see it: the unintentional comedy <laughs> that comes from this. Because this is one where you have to suspend belief in things. You yeah. just have to suspend reality. It's like watching a Fast and the Furious movie, you know? It's like yeah. I, I am curious to see how they. Get the bear to do the things that they get the bear to yeah. do. So is this like a is this like a, a shoot bear, like a real bear, or is this like a CGI bear? Look like it. Look pretty real to me. So it's a worse. So it's a. It's, it's might be a shoot bear, not a working bear. That one shot of the bear, you know, with the cocaine all over its face. Yeah. You know. I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know. So I. You know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she wants in. As so I've I said many know. times to the listening audience that might not be familiar, like animals doing human activities, I just find hilarious. Yeah. Like, I picture right now of a bear, not a bear and a cocaine bender, but maybe he's got his, you know, USA Today or whatever his choice of newspaper is, and he's got his reading gla- readers on sitting <laughs> in the booth at a Waffle House, like cutting his <laughs> cutting his waffles. <laughs> See, that's funny. Like you think about a bear sitting in the booth at a Waffle House reading a newspaper, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Again, suspending <laughs> suspending that. Uh, so um, anyway, there there's. <clears throat> there's that. Somebody said, tell Jeff that over uh, uh, three tons of cocaine was found in the Pacific Ocean by New Zealand police. Yes, we know that. That uh, I, That's a spoiler alert um, because I had it in Inconceivable, so we'll have that. We'll get we'll get uh, the, uh, to that. To the, uh, to the traffic issues and questions, somebody said, uh, dumb question, is it a solid development from Belton to Austin now? That's not a dumb question, and it's not quite that Belton to Austin because when you get when you get below Salado before you get to Gerald 
like in the Prairie Dell area mm-hmm. and a little bit below that, right around, I think it'd be mile marker 280 to 275, right in that area. It's not quite developed yet, but they've developed a couple other travel stops in that area, uh, mm-hmm. service station things. So it's not quite completely developed yet, but it's working there. It's 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 getting there. Depends on if, what Potato is talking about. If you're talking about like developed, like are there buildings? No, the road the road part is fine going through yeah. there. Yeah, uh, and actually going up through Temple, it's fine. Uh, shoot, Craig, I can't even. It's like w- Waco is where the construction is now, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. It's done through okay. there. The problem is, Listen, uh, I can't remember. The, I think the last time I went up that way was. Whenever Texas and Stanford played at the AAC in, in December, December. Yeah. yeah, that it's finished, it's completed through Waco. Now, for whatever reason, there is a traffic slowdown, kind of like going through Round Rock when you go through Belton these days. When you go around that curve, mm-hmm. when you go into town, people naturally automatically tense up and pucker up a little bit and slow down. That 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 happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm talking about real slowdown. I'm not talking about slowing down from 75 to to 65. I'm talking about slowing down to 25. You know, stuff like that, and it causes the midway a bit of drive. The midway drive exit right there exactly. on the, the Temple Belton line. Yeah. Yes, right in that area around. Uh, past Central Drive and the curve there. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, those of you in the northernmost regions of the listening area, or if you're yeah. listening on the app. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the southern portion of the Super Syntex region. Yeah. Somebody said it's it, on the Specs text line at three three seven three seven seven six. Uh, it said it's all those Californians who moved in the area, creating that 120 person per day increase in Williamson <laughs> County. The Californians. Might have something to do with it. It is. They could be the Californians. Uh, somebody else said people just want to work from home Mondays and Fridays, especially Fridays to kickstart their weekend. It, it, and it could be. Somebody said because of uh, COVID, uh, my wife works from home on Mondays and in the office on Tuesdays. That's, that, as I mentioned, that's that's what I have seen uh, more so than uh, coming out post-pandemic is less crazy traffic on the road on Mondays and Fridays and that Tuesdays are the worst travel day of the week, and Wednesdays are only slightly behind that. Wednesday, that was the one day that uh, I was leaving the house, and there was a really bad wreck in San Marcos right there, right, on, right around 123. Mm-hmm. And the only art, all the arteries around the 35 quarter were clogged. Yeah. And I, I, I called you, and I'm like, the only way I can get to the station is if I go like back to Wimberley and cut across through Driftwood. Like, literally, that was the only way I could get to the station that day. And I was a little kind behind schedule that through that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, there's just no no other way. Refresh my memory. The the newest stretch of the toll road that you sometimes take, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that it runs around the Mopac and it ends at sixteen twenty six. That's what I that's what I told my brother. He was asking about it. I said, I can't remember the road. I said it's sixteen twenty six. Yep. Uh uh coming down from there. So uh you know, that's where that's where that is. I'll be taking that taking that drive home today because I gotta stop at the uh the target over there and Kyle. Oh, okay. And like I said, sometimes it it works out better for you. Mm-hmm. Other times, there may be a lot more traffic on that than there is on thirty five. Who knows? Even even like going home to San Marcos because I live on the uh, what would that be the west side of San Marcos? Yeah, going out toward yeah. Wimberley. So I'm like, okay, just check the map. Like it might be clogged up down thirty five, so I can't go to Wonder World Drive and go home. I gotta go like take the Aquarina exit and go through campus and kind of weave my way. Yeah, back to back way. So yeah, yeah. So a lot of traffic. Talk lots of traffic. This morning. Lots yeah. of traffic. Somebody said Riverside area of I I thirty five is the worst. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, it's it's been said. Uh, <clears throat> what was that survey that said 
that the I-35 stretch through Austin is the worst interstate stretch in the United States of America. And that was on a survey of, of traffic times and travel times in metropolitan areas and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, I, I've been in L.A. freeway traffic. It's insane. Oh. Oh. And I've been in New York uh, traffic, and that's and that's bad, too. And Dallas is bad, and Houston is awful. Um, At least New York, you know what you're getting into. Yep. And, and L.A., you know what you're getting into, even though yep. L.A. was surprisingly bad. Yeah. It's it's yeah that the, when I covered the, the the Super Bowl out there when the Cowboys played there and I was going to um, they had media availabilities in the Santa Monica Convention Center. Mm-hmm. This is thirty years ago. This was um, it, it was thirty years ago. It was uh, January of ninety three, and uh, it was it was bad just trying to get through. I mean the freeway the bad freeway stuff from what I've read historically about L A really started as early as the late fifties early sixties. That's how Vin Scully became so popular because the Dodgers weren't putting their games on TV mm-hmm. and people were stuck in freeway traffic. And quite often the Dodgers had an East Coast game that was first pitching at 5 in the afternoon California time. So folks are stuck in their cars on the freeway listening to Vin. That's it. That's how it started from there. Awesome. I uh, When I went up there for the SC game in 17, yeah. my, my hotel – was like 1.1 miles from the rental car return at LAX. Okay. And I remember putting on my traffic app, it said 45 minutes. I'm like, I could put the car in neutral and push it down the sidewalk and be there faster than yeah. what it's going to take me to drive it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's LA for you there. Uh, <laughs> so it says, I'm listening from uh, uh, Bulverde on the Horn app. Well, well go, way to go, Elio. I uh, appreciate you doing that. <laughs> Somebody said, Houston is the worst just because it's Houston. Uh, so, uh, somebody else with grandparents on both sides in Belton. Yes, I meant buildings. It wasn't very clear about that. Back in the day, there was a lot of country between the two. There was. Uh, somebody else says, this is the bear from the great outdoors next gig. It's been a long layoff. Really? <laughs> the bald headed bear, as they call them there in the great outdoors. Is that shot with the, uh, with that, with that old rifle that gets into the fur flies up. You see, it looks like a human buttocks there. And he, the bear gets mad and try and screams and runs off from that. So, Oh man, Craig, you seen this, this rare topic ESPN tackling this morning, which one has LeBron James passed Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. I've never heard that discussed before ever in the history of sports. This is a really good day, <laughs> a really good day to stay away from the scream at people shows. It's a really good day to avoid that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, my um, my response to that a lot of times is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a great, great player, one of the greatest of all time, and was the all-time leading scorer until last night. But he wasn't considered the greatest player of all time, even though he was the all-time leading scorer. LeBron James is now the all-time leading scorer, and people can have their own argument about – you know, LeBron versus MJ or whatever. Uh, but just because you're the all-time leading scorer does not mean you're necessarily the greatest player of all time. I'm a LeBron fan, other than you know too. that period of time in Miami where the heel turn happened and yeah. the Mavericks got a title because of heat dysfunction in year one. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, I, I understand that there are some people that don't don't like LeBron. It has nothing to do with basketball. People don't like LeBron because of his stance, his political stances, and his stance on social social justice and and all that stuff. And whatever, it's that's fine. If you don't like LeBron because of that, great, whatever. Um, but 
to not respect his place as an all-time great at worst, even if you are the biggest LeBron hater in the world and not recognize it, at the very least, you're talking about a top three to five player in the history of the game. Yes. Then, then that's just a very biased, very wrong, very slanted opinion. Yeah. To not look at it that way. Right. I understand all that. Uh, what do you have coming up on the notebook? We're going to talk about some Texas football expectations. Okay. Some early win totals are out, win total projections, and we'll because we kind of got along some of this. It'll it'll jibe with what we discussed on the Longhorn Blitz podcast this week. Myself and, and Matt Butler and Rod Babers. Okay. On the Blitz, we talked a little bit about expectations, and then there's some some of that stuff out. So we'll we'll get into that. Some of my colleagues at twenty four seven Sports, and then we'll go over what you can find at Horns twenty four seven. Some of this stuff right now, but we'll we'll get into that. Okay. All right. I, I wanted to run this uh, this uh, bit of audio with Vic Schaefer from last night's show uh, from Longhorn Weekly uh, out at at Pluckers. Uh, and and again, we had a lot of fun with uh, with uh, Taylor Jones and then Rory Harmon. Uh, lots of interesting questions and things like that. But I asked Vic about this rematch with Texas Tech. Now remember, Longhorns played. I think. I think their worst game of the season when they lost in Lubbock to Texas Tech. Uh, I, they just they, they couldn't keep from turning over the ball and missed a lot of open shots and things like that. And 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 Vic's not rating you know which loss is worse than another or anything like that. I just I just thought they didn't play well that night and and lost. Now having said that, Tech also got a couple of good performances. One was from a player who played for Vic at Mississippi State, Bree Amber Scott. And she had a big game, and she's she's been their bell cow all season long. But of late, the player who is really coming on, and she played pretty well that night, but the player who's really coming on is Bryn Gerlich, who is the daughter of the head coach, Krista Gerlich. And um, Bryn had been at Oklahoma State. Krista Gerlich had been at, at UTA, and she came in last year. And Bryn transferred in and playing for her mom. So it's not often – you see that, but Vic has been through that with Blair Schaefer playing for him and, of course, now on his coaching staff. So that was part of what we talked about when we talked about this matchup with Texas Tech. You have the Texas Tech Lady Raiders coming in, and I would imagine that nothing gets the attention of a, of a coach and certainly of his team more in a rematch than if you lost the first time around. Well, I mean, you hope your you hope your kids are um, you know you hope they have you, that you've got their attention and they're focused. I, I, as I've told them, to me, where we are right now on February seventh, we just need to focus on us. It doesn't matter who the next opponent is. We've got something that we you know this team's got a chance to do something special, and so whoever the next one is, that's who our focus is. And and yes, it's 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 tech. We did not play well in Lubbock, and uh, and um, and so we 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 need to play better, obviously, and uh, got to do some things a whole lot better. And uh, but again, I think our team is way different. We had some things happen that night that were out of our control, and uh, and so again, it's how you respond, right? And um, so I'm anxious. I'm always anxious to see us play. Uh, our crowds have been phenomenal. I'm anxious to see our fans tomorrow night. Um, they've really embraced these kids, and, and uh, 
provided a great atmosphere for them, and, and I know they and I and my staff really appreciate that. Two players I want to ask you about uh, for Texas Tech. One is Brianne Scott. We know yep. quite a bit about her, and she, she yep. ended up having a big game the first time. And the other is the coach's kid. Yep. And, and you've been down that coach's kid road before, yep. but Bryn Gerlich comes off a big game the other day, and she's uh, Christy Gerlich's <laughs> daughter playing for her. Well, um, Brianne obviously played for me two years yep. at Mississippi State and um, is a heck of a player. And uh, um, we had a really hard time uh, handling her the first time. Bryn, Bryn is really um, – really developed into a, a really good player I think she's and she's hot right now as I've told our kids like she's shooting an unbelievable number in her last five games and uh, and so again typical coaches kid she's tough she's heady she's smart um, knows the game um, very unselfish and uh, but boy you, you better not get in the game you know where you're giving her looks because she can flat shoot it and uh, and so she's a kid I have a lot of respect and admiration for. Again, it ain't easy being the coach's kid. And just like Blair, that kid's earned her way. Um, she's a, she's become a really good player for him. And, uh, you know, I know that's a special thing between the daughter and mama. And uh, it's really unique. And, and I'm sure they're, they've really enjoyed their time together. And, again, uh, Ren Gerlich's playing well. And uh, they got some other players who played well for them also. So, uh, you know, Texas will have to deal with uh, Bree Amber Scott, who's averaging 17 points per game. Uh, Bryn Gerlich is averaging nine, but in conference play averaging 11. And she lately, as, as uh, Vic pointed out, is shooting the ball really well. Uh, both Scott and Gerlich are shooting – uh, in the high 30 percentile, right near 40 percent from three-point range. So that's uh, something to keep uh, an eye on as well. So anyway, they'll they'll have that to deal with, and that'll be uh, tonight, and you'll hear it on the horn uh, at 6.45 with the airtime, and the tip-off is at 7 o'clock. All right, uh, up next, we'll bring you uh, the first hour edition of the Longhorn Notebook with Jeff. We have Inconceivable and a lot more as we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. I like how Cam Parker can hit us back with some yacht rock coming out of it. Because you have the king of yacht rock right there, Michael McDonald. Now, this is still in his Doobie Brothers days. Uh, this is off that Living Off the Fault Line album, I think 1979. Minute by minute. Minute by minute, yeah. Yeah. Minute by minute. Uh, but we got some other things to get to here on Light the Tower, which takes us right into our first hour Longhorn Notebook. 
Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. The Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert and your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. We'll get more into this in the uh, the next Longhorn Notebook, but Cameron, can I get a breaking news sounder real oh, quick? We've got, some, got a little bit of breaking news. news. A little okay. bit of breaking news. Uh, NFL Combine invites, Craig. Yes. have gone out. Uh, biggest Longhorn contingent we've seen at the Combine in a minute. Uh, Roshan Johnson, mm-hmm. B. John Robinson, mm-hmm. Keandre Coburn, mm-hmm. Moro Ojimo, DeMarvian Overshaw. Five. All headed to the Combine. Okay. No defensive backs. I was hoping to see one of Anthony Cook or Deshaun Jameson on that list. Didn't happen. But, you know, they'll have to do it at the pro day. Or Pro day is going to be really big for those guys. I yeah. Mean, the, the, the guys that don't go to the Combine. Because the guys that go to the Combine, more, nine times out of ten, they won't test anything. Uh, retest anything at pro day, and they'll just do the on-field drills. Uh, so that's where things are. So five Longhorns going to the combine, not bad at all, not too shabby. Yeah. Um, get over to Horns 24-7. And all these articles I'm going to mention are, are, are free, these two articles, um, from some of my colleagues at 24-7 Sports within the network. Uh, Dean Straka, who covers the Big 12 for us nationally, uh, has projected win totals for every team in the Big 12. And Brad Crawford, one of our national writers, as 10 way-too-early bold predictions for 2023. Uh, Dean's is pretty cut and dried. He's got Texas at 10-2, and two, Craig. 10 wins in a regular season. Uh, Brad's bold prediction, as far as it relates to Texas, is that Texas plays for a playoff berth in the Big 12 title game. When the Big 12 schedule release came out, yes. excuse me, I'm still a little stopped up from a little cold that I'm getting over, but when the Big 12 schedule came out, I saw a lot of Longhorn fans online almost shifting expectations to uh, 10 wins is the floor. they got to go win the Big 12 now. And I I don't know what you could have seen on that schedule that would have laid. We talked about this on Longhorn Blitz. And anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, search, just search Horns 24-7, click that follow button, and the, this week's episode of the Blitz is available already. I don't know what Longhorn fans could have seen that would have led them down the road of, okay, now this season is going to be easier because – there shouldn't have been any surprises on that schedule. Right. And the surprises on the schedule, I don't know that it necessarily made the schedule easier or, or harder or, or whatever. Uh, it kind of is what it is. Maybe it's the layout of the schedule, which, like we talked about, the two things I really want to know, where was the bye week? And if you were going to play BYU, where was the BYU game going to fall? Mm-hmm. And the bye week is right after the Oklahoma game, two weeks after the bye you play BYU, which I think that's, I think if you're a Texas fan, you should like that. But I think looking at the road trips, Craig, you're 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 getting on two planes this year. Yeah, Ames and Tuscaloosa. That's it. This is the most fan friendly schedule in terms of the driving. So for folks, say, hey, you know, Longhorn's got a real break on this. Maybe in some areas they did, but it's more about how it was more fan friendly mm-hmm. this year because every trip is a drivable trip, other than Tuscaloosa, unless you're starting out well in advance, and then obviously Ames. So here's where we came out on this, on the Blitz, in terms of, of expectations. So for me, it doesn't change anything. I think a good year for Texas, to me, where the bar is set. I, I got in the mindset for the 2022 season of, okay, that last regular season game against Baylor, is that game going to matter? All right, because mm-hmm. you've, you've called plenty of these, Craig, and I've covered plenty of them. There's nothing more deflating to the football soul than being at a game Thanksgiving weekend that doesn't mean anything. Doesn't have the impact on virtually well, any conference championship or, or bowl position. Nothing. Like nothing is on the line. Right. 
which is, or in some years we've been there where there's been a coaching change shortly mm-hmm. thereafter, but I digress. So you like for that game to matter, and, and last year it mattered. This past season it, sure it mattered. Uh, you needed to beat Baylor to give yourself a chance, and then you had to just sit back and watch and see what happened. And Baylor had to Kansas. win to try to, to get bowl eligible. Yeah, so all those things that did you talk about, by basically what is that benchmark? And for me, I said this our first show back, you were back after the Alamo Bowl, that we were back together. The benchmark for me in 2023 for Texas is it's not about the number of wins. It's whatever number of wins it takes for you to get to Arlington. Whatever that number is, getting to Arlington to me is the benchmark. Okay. But Rod and I, Rod kind of, Rod had a slightly different take than I did, but we both ended up getting to the same place where Rod said, you got to go win nine or 10 games in a regular season because you got to improve your win total. You want, you went eight and four in the regular season in 22. You got to go nine and three, you're 10 and two. And to me, thinking about it out loud, just looking at historically, you know, since the Big 12 went back to a championship game format, kind of what record gets you into the conference championship game? Seven and two is pretty much going to guarantee you get into the conference championship yeah, game. I agree. So when you think about the non-conference schedule and a seven and two conference record, yeah, I, I'm I'm with Rod. I think either nine and three or ten and two. If you you got to get to eight, nine or ten wins in the regular season, I think to show that you're headed in the right direction. The reason why, I, Craig, I can't say it's it's for sure double digits or for sure conference championship or bust. What happens if Texas has the TCU scenario play out? Let's say you're ten and two. You get to the Big 12 championship game and you lose the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you went eight in, in that scenario, in my mind. One of your losses is Alabama. You went mm-hmm. eight and one during the conference schedule. Uh, you're going to tell me it wasn't a good year because you just because you didn't win the conference championship? No, you won 10 games in a regular season. You have a chance to get 11 with a bowl game. And, and you'll go to a New Year's Six. Double bowl. digits. Yeah, you're in the New Year's Six, even though the Sugar Bowl is not, you don't have the tie in this year because it's right. part of the semifinals or whatever. But yeah. One of those bowls is going to take an at Texas as an at large as a double digit win team, no question. So that's why I, I don't get necessarily hung up on the win total as much as for me it is whatever it takes to get to Arlington. But what it's going to take, it's going to take probably seven conference wins, which probably means nine to ten overall. Yeah. So at least nine wins, which will probably get you to Arlington. That's I have a way of looking at that similar to what you talked, uh, what you just laid out, and I remember thinking about this during the last fall, and the phrase I put on it is the math works out, and you just laid it out how the math works out. So for those who are galvanized in their opinion that it has to be double digit wins, well, and then for those who say no, they got to get to Arlington the conference championship game, the math will probably work out that if you get to the ten wins. Uh, there's, there's every reason to believe you're going to be in Arlington, and uh, and the math would work out that mm-hmm. way. If you're if you're up about getting to Arlington, the conference championship game, you're probably that that would probably do it. And and the same thing about the the numerical thing. So the math yeah. works out. There's one in there. It could be one of those weird years where maybe a six and three conference record yep. gets you there. Yep. But like it would have gotten Texas there this past season, mm-hmm. Kansas beating Kansas State. Um, but not to the, one of the textures that just texted in. I think in jest, I'm pretty sure it's in jest said it's because Kansas isn't on the schedule. No, Kansas is on the schedule. Texas hosts Kansas on September 30th. Yeah, that's that's the first conference game at home. The conference openers the previous week up the road at Baylor. But also, Craig, one thing that it reminded me of it reinforced it for me. 
Rod brought this up a number of years ago, and you kind of everybody kind of laughed about it at the time, but it's a hundred percent true. You remember how much grief Mac would take for for the Texas State Championship thing? Like right. win all of your games inside the state of Texas. Beat Tech, Baylor, TCU, be, yeah, beat the Texas institutions, yeah. and and obviously the Oklahoma game is in Dallas. Right. And if you if you win your games and that you play in the state, if you defend your state, then you know you're probably gonna have a good year. Well. Take a wild guess when the last time it was that Texas won all of their regular season games played inside the state of Texas. Twenty? No, they didn't in twenty thirteen. Two thousand nine? If yeah. yeah, if you're listening out there and you guessed two thousand nine, you guessed yeah. correctly. So, and even even you go to to two thousand eighteen, you know, yeah. and you look at the, they had a, a nine and three conference record. You lose the Maryland game in non conference. You went on the road and lost to Stillwater. You lost one game. You played for a conference championship. You lost one game inside the state of Texas before the Big 12 championship game. One regular season game played inside the state. That was the West Virginia game at home where you lost by one in the final seconds. Yeah. So winning that Texas state championship, and again, I know it's something, and I, I was guilty of it too. You scoff at it. You're like, oh, my gosh, why are you making such a big deal out of it? No. If you take care of business on your home turf, good things are going to happen for yeah. you. And that's, that's going to be the case. <laughs> the argument on that from fans a lot of times is – Okay, that's great. We know you got to win that thing. Do you have to give a ring on it? Do you have to because if you, listen, I I don't begrudge programs to give to, for giving. We talked about this last week, didn't we? About rings and and uh, you know did did you award rings for you know certain things mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff? I don't I don't I don't begrudge teams for doing that for for accomplishments. I, I don't see anything specifically wrong with that. That's between them, between the team. Thing is, word gets out. And then everybody yeah. passes judgment, right? You know, so you know that's you know whatever. the The point is, if you're taking care of your business and winning those games, then it's getting to the goal that everybody who feels connected to the program as a fan or whatever wants to see, and that's to see them get to a conference championship game, to right. win a conference championship, and then what follows is the double digit wins and getting to New Year's Six bowls and or possibly the playoff. You know, yeah. So just uh, just a couple of texts here on the Specs text line. Uh, Pastor Smasher says ten and two. Anything else is a letdown. Uh, this says, sorry, Jeff. I usually agree with you, but you're talking like it was last season. Ten of eleven starters on offense are back. I'm looking for them to be a Final Four or fighting to get into the Final Four. Ten or eleven wins is what I'm expecting. That's great. If you got those expectations, that's great. I'm just saying, I'm I'm just saying, get get to the Big Twelve Championship game. Give yourself a chance to win a conference championship in what could be your last year in the Big 12. I know Pete Thamel reported what he reported a couple of weeks ago, and I'm mm-hmm. not knocking Pete Thamel, but everything we've heard at Horns 24-7, I know Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated was on with Bucky and Aaron yesterday. Ross is the same thing. Those conversations are not dead. Uh, it, it, is anybody overly optimistic that something gets done? No, but it's not a for certain thing. That Texas, they have two more years. That Texas and Oklahoma will be in the Big 12 in 2024. They might be in the SEC. So this could be your last year in the league. It'd be nice to see you at least put yourself in a position to go win a conference championship. Yeah, yeah, it would. Get and to Arlington. That might also assuage the concerns that folks have every time that, and, and I know you've seen it, every time that the Longhorns don't win a game, be it a tight, closely played game, or one where it's not, you know, where where it's just disappointing the result. What invariably happens on social media, and then if folks text in, this team's not ready for the SEC. Doesn't 
it's not time for the SEC yet. It'll be here when it's here. <laughs> uh, you know, you know how I, I take that, and, and I understand. I, I appreciate the passion. So do I. Uh, of Texas fans, I really do, because uh, I'm. That's my job is dependent on your. My jobs plural are dependent on on your passion. But I'll never forget what you said. Listening to the call-in show after the national championship game, like Absolutely. maybe Texas wins, maybe the greatest game in the history of college football, and somebody calls into the call-in show and what they say, Craig. Well, you think about this, folks. Here was the Rose Bowl in 05, one of the greatest games ever played, if not the greatest college football game ever played. Certainly ranks up there. Vince Young has this landmark performance. They win this unbelievable game, 41-38. And folks were calling in to the postgame show. And, uh, you know, most everybody was just ecstatic. I'm, at this it. point, I'm, I'm not calling in. I'm probably down on 36, yeah. losing my mind already right. at this point. And there were a lot of those. But there were some. It was more than one. But one call I remember in specific said, <laughs> you know, guys, it's great that they won and all. You start with that. They won and all. Yeah, yeah. There was a national championship. Ball. But I'm really concerned about our defense. I mean, we gave up 38 points to that team. And, you know, I just That's hope great. some of our younger guys can grow up uh, next season because it's a real – and I thought – that that it, it made me think of Mac talking about some people will be generally miserable no matter the outcome. You won a national championship, and folks were calling con- concerned about the defense. A defense that was going to have a different look the next year anyway because they're the seniors that were on that 05 defense were going to be gone. Why don't you just go have an ice cream sandwich and sit in the corner and yeah, be just, happy for a minute? Yeah. So that 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 you know uh, oh, convinced great. me as much as anything else. <laughs> By the way, real quick before we hit the break, the 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 kid in me, like the the eight nine year old kid in me, loves the fact that this schedule has very heavy Southwest Conference flavor. It does. Rice, Houston, Baylor, Tech, TCU. Still got the OU game, even though OU wasn't in the Southwest Conference. For those of you, but they played them every year during those years. Yep, it was a non conference game. But I'm I'm pumped about that. Looking forward to going to to Houston and. I like the fact that Baylor, you know, Baylor's on the schedule and it's a road game and just hot, you know. Eat breakfast at the house and then go up for the game. It's it's nice. Yes. Uh, All right. Uh, We'll have Inconceivable coming up next when we continue. Someone say it would be inconceivable for somebody to be complaining about the defense when you just won the national championship. But, you know, that's. (laughs) We got to get to a. uh, Cameron and I are going to tell you about a high school basketball snafu north of the uh, Red River that took place last night. This will be fun. Uh, That's part of Inconceivable. Next on Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. (laughs) Here's what it means. (laughs) You mean high school basketball. Now, with the details are... Jeff Howe and our own Cam Parker. I saw this on the Twitter machine last night. Cameron, you watched some of this game last night? Yeah, fortunately, someone posted a full game highlight clip on TikTok. Wow. Wow. Probably didn't take him too long in clock time the way this game was played out. I'll let you guys yeah, get Yeah, it was uh, basically it was Anadarko against Weatherford, a game played in Oklahoma. Weatherford, apparently really good team. And apparently the coach at Anadarko has a history of doing this two superior teams. Weatherford won the game by a final score, a high-scoring up-and-down game played uh, game played up and down the floor to breakneck pace. Weatherford won the game 4-2. 4-2. to 4-2. Two. Four four to to two. Two. Uh, apparently, Anadarko just held the ball in the old 
Dean Smith four corners offense pretty much the entire game. Had it for the entire first quarter, and from what I understand, didn't score a single point to the fourth quarter. How about that? Uh, as, as a guy who grew up in the state of North Carolina, I can remember there was an ACC tournament game. 1968, Duke was nationally ranked, and they played Clemson in the first round, and Clemson kind of tried to hold the ball, and Duke ended up winning 43-40 in the quarterfinals. Then they played NC State in the semifinals. Final score, NC State 12, Duke 10. Jeez. That's an ACC tournament semifinal. And then they went away from the thing the next night. North Carolina ended up blowing them out in the championship. So, yeah, there's been there's been freeze like that before, but four to two. Have you heard any movement? I know it, it's one of those things at coaching school that always gets discussed. Any movement on the UIL going to a shot clock? No, uh, the the overwhelming response Charles Brightabus told me this is that the coaches don't want it. Okay, they don't, and, and athletic directors don't want it because. It's extra expense to install a shot clock, and you have to pay extra personnel to come in yeah. to run the shot clock. For the smaller schools, that can be a they big don't ha- problem. don't have the budget for that. Yeah. Or the technical facility in some of the smaller gyms. I think about a place like Lipan up uh, <laughs> out in Palo Pinto County, an a, a annual contender for the 1A state championship. They'd have a hard time even putting a shot clock in their little bitty gym. The old gym at Johnson City where one step uh, away from the baseline, you run smack dab into a limestone wall. Yeah. Same thing at uh, <laughs> Brooksmith, south of Brownwood. Some of those where it's just like this is just stone there. Very little. There was there was one place I was doing I was doing ponder basketball back in the day when I was in college. They played one place where the gym floor wasn't to the full, wasn't to 90 feet on the length, and they had the out-of-bounds line painted on the wall. So the player had to put their foot on the line to inbound the basketball. It's one of those deals, Craig, where you're you're going for a loose ball and you're like, do I save this possession or risk being a vegetable the rest of my yeah, life? Yeah, yeah. Could, could, could I get a concussion off of this deal? I mean, it's 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 tough. I'm telling you, uh, you haven't seen high school basketball until you see it at the smallest level because it's, it's something else. Th- uh, one time there's uh, doing a regional tournament out in Lubbock. And uh, there was a girls regional game. And uh, Nazareth, which is a perennial giant in power, was playing Allison High School. Allison is up on the way northeast side of the panhandle near the Oklahoma border. Allison High School had a grand total of 17 students in the school. <laughs> they had a senior class of one. <laughs> so the senior was both a valedictorian, the highest ranked student in the class, which would get you in the University of Texas. Yeah. You know? Also the lowest rank, because you only won there. But they had six girls on their basketball team. Six. And got to the regional semifinals, I think they lost. That was in the days when they played that three games and 24-hour grind in mm-hmm. 1A to do that. That was, that was an awful lot of fun back in the day. Yeah, Pastor Smasher on the Specs text line. I, I don't think the Rat P, Jim, and Gerald had the, the technology or the capabilities of getting a shot clock up in there. Yeah. Uh, Coach Scooby says he's got me thinking about the Ponder Steakhouse. Yeah, the Ponder Steakhouse and Club, where you get you could get the steak, but you could get uh, calf fries, lamb fries, rattlesnake. Uh, rattlesnake? Mm-hmm. What does a rattlesnake taste like? Chicken. Uh, and uh, corn fed like beef. Legit you know, chicken. Yeah, you can get all kinds of things at the Ponder Steakhouse and uh, Club there. I don't know if you could get shark there. You can eat shark in North Carolina on the coast. 
Uh, there's there's a place I go to in Myrtle Beach called Pier 14 where you can get shark bites. They're calling them. There's like yeah. uh, they're like you know a little appetizer thing. However, I just remember that scene in La Bamba where Richie's eating a rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the guys hinted about this because we were talking about cocaine bear. Uh, today, actually, be Wednesday or yesterday, going back on the international dateline, New Zealand police identified a mysterious floating object in a remote part of the Pacific Ocean as 81 bales of cocaine, worth about uh, half a million New Zealand dollars. The drugs were packaged in bricks. Uh, photos show some of the cocaine labeled with Batman symbols and four-leaf clovers. A bale of cocaine. Yeah. So then uh, somebody else put this uh, that tweeted this thing up and said, if you think cocaine bear is crazy, just wait till you hear about the cocaine shark that got totally addicted and terrorized drug smugglers in Florida in the 80s where they photoshopped a shark head in there. So maybe maybe we'll get that in there. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that'll, that'll, that'll work to where you'll have a, uh, a cocaine shark movie since we've got cocaine bear <laughs> on the horizon for this. Um, Couple of th- uh, I, I haven't asked. We it's been determined on this program that Cam Parker is a fan of fast food. Where do you stand with Taco Bell? If I'm desperate, okay. I'll go there. Okay. Have you had their breakfast? No. Okay. All right. Don't plan on it. Well, <laughs> supposedly the breakfast ever since Pete Davidson's been doing the spots, mm-hmm. they've had massive uptick on sales. Uh, their uh, breakfast burritos and the egg stuffed quesadillas. Jump nine percent. It's a big jump in the fourth quarter alone, and the parent company Yum Brands, which is KFC, is you know mm-hmm. on that, uh, and said in an earnings call that uh, Taco Bell's U.S. sales jumped fourteen percent, beating analyst expectation. And they said, but you know, we had honestly over innovated breakfast, but when they went back to the basic stuff with Pete Davidson, it's been big time. So um, he apologized, remember, about the naked egg taco. And so they were just going to stick to the basics. So uh, there's some uh, earnings information there on taco. Uh, You heard about Aaron Rodgers' retreat, right? Heard about this retreat? I read this on the Twitter machine, yeah. yeah. What exactly constitutes a darkness retreat? Now, I heard Isaiah Collier yesterday say, Aaron, just go do some drugs and tell us you did that and then come back on Monday. Um, I understand... Let me let me just say this for the record. I understand why people are done with Aaron Rodgers. I've had enough about this and that. It doesn't really bother me what 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 he does or whatever. He's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, he's been a multiple MVP and passing leader and all that kind of stuff. He'll figure out where he's going to play or if he's going to play next year. I don't know that the darkness retreat will make that big a difference about it. Did you hear about him manipulating his handicap to win the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am? <laughs> I no. heard there, there, there were some people that were mm. grumbling about that. But sandbag and Aaron Rodgers. Dude, if you cheat at golf, you're just a dishonorable person. Well, that's the claim of some folks that he did that, that he sandbagged it and I don't uh, for, his, I, for his handicap. I, I wouldn't put it past him. He came in saying his handicap was a 10. Which I find that very hard to believe. That Aaron Rodgers. You think he was much better than that? Yes. Do you see any any of the shots he hit? Oh yeah, yeah. He didn't I did. Like a ten to me. Yeah. Uh, 
He's going to be in total darkness for four days and four nights, though he could leave at any point if he wishes. And he said the whole experience can can produce hallucinations, hallucinations similar to not LSD but DMT, uh, dimethyltryptamine. He said it's four nights of complete darkness. You're not locked in. You can leave if you can't do it. You can just walk out the door. It's a darkness retreat. It's just sitting in isolation, meditation, isolation. Where, where do you go potty? Uh, I guess you probably get out to do that. Now, remember he talked about a bucket that. bucket in there? That's gross. Remember that he talked about that ayahuasca, that, that psychedelic drink that's made of Amazonian plants in a retreat during the off-season? And the NFL said that doesn't violate the, the drug policy. We don't have that on that deal. So, darkness retreat going on there for... A.A. Ron Rogers. I, I do a darkness retreat every day. It's called sleep. Yeah. And I think there'll be probably a lot of that. <laughs> probably be quite a bit of that. All right. We'll have hour number two coming up of Light the Tower here on the Horn. 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We are live, local, and digital right here on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. <laughs> 